I was diagnosed in 2006 with non-Hodgkin lymphoma, so it's a blood cancer, and I was in the category that is considered incurable. A very large majority of, of the scientific community, um, you know, sort of viewed this as fringe uh, research. I received my infusion on July 2nd. I had a scan. July 30th and I was supposed to find out the next day but they called me that evening and told me that uh, it was clear that it was totally clear I was in remission when you see someone go into a complete remission three weeks after this treatment you, you're just astounded um, and I've seen huge tumors just melt away in the first you know couple weeks I think it may, in some ways, be essential to cure cancer. What you're hearing about is not a miracle. It's a new kind of cancer treatment called CAR-T immunotherapy. Basically, this is where scientists reprogram your immune system to destroy cancer. And it is the hot thing in biotech. The companies that are making it are selling for billions and billions of dollars. And there's a reason. It's saving the lives of patients like Stephanie Florence, who you just heard. But it wasn't always this way. CAR-T therapy started out as a black sheep in the cancer research world. A lot of people thought that it was impractical, or it just wouldn't work. And for many years, it actually didn't work. So, has CAR-T beaten the odds? Has it gone from an underdog to a cancer killer? Or is all of this just hype? From GeekWire.com in Seattle, I'm Claire McGrain. Welcome to Health Tech, where we tell you the stories behind cutting-edge health innovation. Today, the dramatic story of CAR-T immunotherapy. We'll tell you how CAR-T went from the black sheep to the golden child and how Stephanie's nine-year battle against incurable cancer was ended by her CAR-T treatment. Stay with us. Support for Health Tech comes from Seattle Children's, whose pioneering research institute is not only changing medicine, but creating life-saving therapies for pediatric diseases such as cancer, type 1 diabetes, sickle cell anemia, and many more. Seattle Children's. Hope. Care. Cure. I can still vividly remember one of my first leukemia patients who had no other options and had about 100% leukemia in their bone marrow. And when we found out she was in a complete remission less than three weeks later, it was really exciting and mind-blowing. You don't see that with any other treatment. That's Dr. David Maloney. He runs the Bezos Family Immunotherapy Clinic, the first clinic in the world designed just to give patients this new treatment. Stephanie Florence, who you heard in the intro, he was actually her doctor when she got CAR-T treatment. And like Stephanie was at the time, the patients that David works with are very, very sick. What is it like working with these patient populations? Well, it's challenging because you're trying to keep them alive. I mean, uh, often these patients have had no, uh, they have no options, and literally you're trying to figure out if you can keep them alive until the cells are ready. Many of David's patients go from literally their deathbed to being cancer-free. And remember, 30 years ago, almost no one believed in CAR-T therapy. 
So how did we get here? To understand CAR-T, I'm going to ask three questions. First, an obvious one, how does CAR-T immunotherapy work? Next, how effective is it? And finally, what role does it play in the holy grail of cancer research, a cure to cancer? To answer those questions, we actually have to start with a different cancer treatment, bone marrow transplants. This treatment is normally used for patients who have leukemia. And in fact, my interest about bone marrow transplant was really piqued by an article um, that came out in 1979. That's Dr. Stan Riddell. He has studied the immune system for a long time, and he was among the first scientists to work on CAR-T technology. The paper he's talking about convinced him to join the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, where the study had been done. Stan still works there today. In fact, he's now in charge of the entire immunotherapy research center at the Fred Hutch. So I wondered, what got him excited about bone marrow transplants? One of the ways that the bone marrow transplant cured leukemia was the donor's immune system was eliminating the leukemia cells. We didn't understand exactly how it worked, but what we knew was that the T cells uh, that were transplanted with the bone marrow graft were able to eliminate leukemia cells. And if you took those T cells out, you lost that effect. That was sort of what piqued my interest. I thought if we could really understand that, maybe there were ways of using T cells therapeutically uh, for cancer more broadly. Okay, hold up, hold up. Let's back up. What is a T cell? Well, these are very specialized cells that are part of your immune system. They're like your body's Navy SEALs. They hunt down all the tiny bugs that make you sick, like the flu, and they basically boot them out. And here's the weird thing. T-cells are not the main reason that bone marrow transplants work. They're just kind of a side effect. So it was surprising that these T-cells were attacking patients' cancer. And it was even more surprising that they were doing a pretty good job. To Stan, this was a breakthrough. It became pretty clear that this might be a, a potent new way of essentially engineering a, 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 an immune system uh, that could tackle cancer, um, or at least some types of cancer. If this sounds crazy, it's because it is. Normally, people's immune systems can't really do anything against cancer. But Stan and his colleagues thought they could change that. They could build a custom immune system that is designed to fight cancer. And they weren't going to do it with a drug, but actually with these living cells. This was not a popular idea in the 80s. A, a very large majority of, of the scientific community um, you know, sort of viewed this as fringe uh, research. But Stan and his colleagues believed that this could work. They thought they could save people's lives. So they kept working on it. But they did not start with cancer. Instead, they started with T-cells that attack viruses, specifically a virus called CMV. And they were interested in people with compromised immune systems, like people who have AIDS or people who are going through chemotherapy. They wondered if these people could be protected from the virus using other T-cells that they know attack it. They worked on this idea for years. And finally, in 1990, they used the first T-cell therapy on three patients that were at risk of getting CMV. They infused the patients with T-cells that they knew would fight the disease, and it worked. None of the patients got CMV. This was the first time that scientists were able to definitively boost someone's immune system using these specialized T-cells. And it meant 
they could probably do the same thing for cancer patients. You know, one of my colleagues at Johns Hopkins wrote a sort of news and views section and said this is one of the most uh, important studies in human immunology since we started investigating it. And I think that was the wow moment. The wow moment was we could really do this and we could actually manipulate immunity by transferring cells. For me, that was the start of the possibilities were now, uh, I think, really endless. Success. The idea worked. Time for champagne, right? Of course not. There was still a lot of work to do and still a lot of people who didn't think you could use these cells to fight cancer. And speaking of cancer, that's going to be a lot more difficult than fighting a virus. There's a reason your immune system doesn't just kill cancer already. First of all, cancer puts up defenses against the immune system. But a bigger problem is the T-cells. There just aren't T-cells that are designed to fight cancer. At least, not ones that exist in nature. So Stan and his colleagues decide, Mother Nature isn't going to build these cells for us, so we'll make them on our own. Now, where do you find someone who can help you build a cell, program it to your own needs? One of the top people at the time in in gene therapy in the world was was at the Hutch, Dusty Miller. Of course, the world-famous geneticist that happens to work right down the hall. So Stan asks Dusty to help them genetically reprogram some T-cells. You know, of course, he just handed me the vectors and said, you know, go ahead, clone your gene. (laughs) And so we did some of the first retroviral transductions in the early 1990s, putting genes into T-cells. Now, of course, in the beginning, we didn't have a lot of T-cell receptors that were, that were, we we knew the specificity of, but we knew we could genetically modify a T-cell very easily in the laboratory. Okay, for me and for you and everyone else who does not have a PhD in immunology, let me translate what Stan just said. First of all, the scientists discovered how to genetically modify these T-cells so that they target what the scientists want them to, say, a protein that would hang out on a cancer cell. But number two, the T-cells need a receptor to tell them what they should target. And number three, Stan's colleagues only know about a few of these receptors, and none of them would target cancer. And so I think that opened it up. We we have to find these receptors that we can use. Stan is being really optimistic here. This does not seem like a good moment for CAR-T work. He's effectively at a dead end. He can't learn anything more from the T-cells that our bodies naturally make. But another scientific advance is about to give Stan a boost. It's called signaling. Basically, it's how proteins in our bodies talk to each other. Theoretically, If researchers could figure out the language of proteins, they could design their own receptor for a T-cell. In other words, they don't need to find a receptor that exists in nature. They can just create one. Again, not a popular idea. Nobody thought they would work in the clinic. Um, And I thought, oh, this is a really cool way to study signaling. And I was a little bit interested in signaling, so that's how sort of I got into it. But at that time, my concept wasn't that we could use these clinically. But again, that doubt did not stop the science. In 1993, an Israeli immunologist created the first T-cells with these man-made receptors. The receptors are called chimeric antigen receptors, or CAR in CAR-T. It's this man-made part of the cell that really locked everything into place. It made CAR-T a reality. And once all of the puzzle pieces were together... It took another 20 years of hard work to fine-tune the science. And now CAR-T is having a heyday. 
Most of that hype centers on biotechnology companies, like Juno Therapeutics. Juno was spun out of the Fred Hutch, and a lot of its technology is actually based on Stan and other scientists' work. Unlike its two competitors, Juno does not yet have a CAR-T treatment on the market. They're still working through clinical trials. But despite that, it was acquired by Celgene earlier this year for $9 billion. That is a lot of money for a company that is not making revenue and likely won't for a while. And all of this hype and money that's going into CAR-T means that patients like Stephanie are able to take these incredible treatments. But unlike Stephanie, not everyone's cancer actually goes away. So now that we have CAR-T treatments, how well do they work? We'll find out after the break. GeekWire's Health Tech Podcast is brought to you by Seattle Children's Research Institute. I'm here with Dr. Richard James, a principal investigator in the Center for Immunity and Immunotherapies at Seattle Children's Research Institute. I know that your work in particular focuses on B cells. What would you say is the most exciting thing about your work day-to-day at Seattle Children's? What is really neat about what we're doing is that we're trying to take a cell that we know a lot about. We've spent 30 or 40 years researching and we've learned a lot about how that cell works. And we're trying to take those insights and translate them into something useful. And that's super exciting to me. We're trying to take these cells and and harness them to make drugs or protein drugs so a kid won't have to regularly inject themselves uh, with a drug, as in the case of hemophilia or, or other types of diseases like that. They can get one treatment that's a 10 to 15 year treatment that provides the drug using your own cells. To find out more, go to seattlechildrens.org slash research. Welcome back. Today we're telling the story behind CAR-T immunotherapy. These treatments can work wonders for patients literally waiting on death's doorstep. So how well do they work? Before we talk about how well CAR-T fights cancer, we need to mention that it has some pretty severe side effects. One is called cytokine release syndrome, and it's similar to a really bad flu. Another side effect is less well understood. It's a neurological toxicity, and it can be fatal. Remember Juno Therapeutics, the company that was acquired for $9 billion? About a year before that deal happened, Juno actually had to pull the trial of its first CAR-T therapy after five patients who took the therapy died. They all had severe neurological toxicity. As we're learning more about CAR-T and how it works, those side effects are getting less common and less severe, although they are still concerning. But what about the intended effect? How good is CAR-T at fighting cancer? To start, there are only two CAR-T therapies available on the market for anybody to take. One is for lymphoma, and one is for leukemia. And this is the first big limitation of CAR-T. So far, it works really well in blood cancer. But solid tumors, like breast or lung cancer, they're different. They're much harder to treat with this particular therapy. There are clinical trials and new research into those cancers every day. But for now, we'll focus just on the patients with blood cancer, patients like Stephanie. You heard Stephanie earlier in the show. She was diagnosed in 2006, and by 2015, she'd been battling incurable lymphoma for nine years. She had chemotherapy, she had a stem cell transplant, and she was out of options. So she signed up for a clinical trial. 
Her T-cells were extracted, sent to be genetically engineered in a lab. And one summer day, she had her new, super-powered car T-cells infused back into her body. I remember them bringing in my bag of T-cells, and and it was so tiny. It was so tiny, and it was like, oh, that bag is so little. And it was like, that's my life, hanging there. And remember, Stephanie had cancer that was considered incurable. It had come back again and again, and she told me she was knocking on death's door. But the CAR T-cells worked for her. A month after her infusion, there was no sign of cancer in her body. Three years have passed, and there is still no sign that her cancer is coming back. I don't even know how to put it into words, how ecstatic I was that I had been given a second chance. I've been dealt as bad as it gets. I have been given the get your affairs in order talk. And I I have really tried to just kind of deal with it a day at a time. Um, But in that moment and hearing the news that I had responded completely, I definitely allowed myself that joy (laughs) um, to take it all in because you don't get a lot of calls like that. We've treated patients that have failed all other therapies. This is Stan Riddell again, one of the first people to work on CAR-T. And we've really seen, you know, results that I think you would have to say are remarkable in terms of getting responses to these therapies. So an ALL, our complete remission rate, is over 90%. That means taking a patient that has, you know, whose bone marrow is riddled with leukemia and essentially eradicating uh, detectable leukemia cells from the bone marrow with a single infusion of cells. I mean, you just don't see those kinds of results with a therapy that's new that you're putting into patients for the first time. Stan mentioned ALL. This is a common kind of leukemia. And as he said, 90% of ALL patients that have taken CAR-T therapy go into remission. For patients this sick, a 90% remission rate is unthinkable. Other kinds of leukemia have had similar jaw-dropping success rates. The numbers for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Stephanie's cancer, are not quite as good. About 40% of those patients go into remission. But still, that's incredible, given that most of these patients are basically terminal when they go for treatment. Of course, even patients who go into remission aren't totally in the clear. There is a chance that their cancer will come back or relapse. And this is becoming more and more of a problem for CAR-T as we see patients a couple years out from treatment. And we need to understand why we're not eradicating all of the tumor cells um, in, in those patients and what we can do to, to improve that. And that's a focus of a lot of the work right now. So for patients with blood cancers, CAR-T works surprisingly well. It's putting a huge number of these people into remission, up to 90% for some kinds of cancer. But some patients are actually too sick to get the treatment. Here's how the process works again. Cells are extracted from a patient, they're genetically modified, and then they're infused back in. While that sounds really simple, it's actually not. So basically for a patient, they have to sit through an extraction, and they get an infusion, and that's kind of it. 
uh, and a lot of waiting and then a lot of worrying uh, af- after the cells are in. So in, in timeline, it takes about two months to get through this from the beginning to the end. So it takes about one day to collect the cells, but there's usually a week's worth of tests before that. And then it takes about the three weeks to make the cells. They're then short course of chemo, cells are infused, and then it takes about a month to get over any potential toxicities. These logistics mean that some patients are just too sick to get the treatment, either because their cells can't safely be extracted or they can't live long enough to get their infusion. But there's an even bigger problem, one that affects everyone, regardless of how sick they are, the huge price tag. I think that price is, is really one of the one of the major crises we're facing. These drugs are expensive. The published prices for these drugs are around $373,000 for the lymphoma drug and actually higher for the leukemia drug. Uh, and that's a huge amount of money. But you have to remember that's that's only a part of the cost. You still have the delivery of the of the drug up to several weeks of hospitalization, which obviously can be extremely expensive. So the price of the drug, which has gotten everyone's attention, clearly is a is a part of it, but there, the associated care is also an issue. So this is really limited by patients who have insurance or have you know some way of getting access to care. And remember, CAR-T is brand new. It's so new that insurance companies don't even have policies on whether they cover it or not. There's a time crunch here. You can't just sit around and wait uh, three months to figure out whether you can get insurance coverage. So when it comes to effectiveness, overall, it's a bit of a mixed bag. For certain patients, CAR-T is incredibly powerful. It can wipe out cancer in people who are incredibly, incredibly sick. But the number of patients who can actually take a CAR-T is not very big, at least not right now. Patients who have solid tumors do not have any CAR-T options unless they can get into a clinical trial of an experimental treatment. And even some patients who do take the treatment don't see any effect, or it's only a minimal effect. There's a lot of research into making CAR-T treatments work for more patients. So for now, let's look bigger picture. CAR-T is still young, there's more science to understand, and more wrinkles to iron out. But in the long run, could it be a key to curing cancer? Here's Stan again. We don't like to use the word cure since we're only a few years out. But, you know, for a patient that really had a few months to live now being two, three, four years out after CAR T cells uh, and still in remission, I think is, is, you know, obviously a great thing. Remember, CAR T is one kind of immunotherapy, but there are others. There are other drugs that use the immune system to fight cancer in different ways although none of them are quite as dramatic or have worked quite as well as CAR-T. Immunotherapy, if we look at it in general, I think will play a major role in in achieving cures. I think it may in some ways be essential to cure cancer. You may need to develop an immune response against the cancer. Now, there is going to need to be innovation and there's going to need to be understanding that we don't yet have. But, uh, you know, I think we have the tools now that we didn't have even five, ten years ago. Going back to that moment in time, it was like, ah, I'm unhappy to be knocking on death's door. And I was very happy to be participating in something that I felt like was advancing medical research and just so critical. Patients like Stephanie have helped to create that hope for a cure. She said when she was diagnosed, she felt incurable, like there was something inside her that had an edge on her and was going to take her out, 
no matter what she did. But now I feel like I am back to having a normal life and I no longer feel like I'm incurable. And regardless of what happens with CAR-T, if it winds up being a cure for me or if it winds up being a cure for patients down the road, I, for the first time, feel like there is a chance for a cure. Since her cancer went into remission, Stephanie has turned her passion for photography into her own studio. You can actually see photos of her CAR-T treatment party, complete with party hats, at geekwire.com slash healthtech. And also check out her studio at shotsbystephanie.com. Stan Riddell is the scientific director of the Immunotherapy Integrated Research Center at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center in Seattle. Read more about his work at fredhutch.org. And David Maloney is the scientific medical director of the Bezos Family Immunotherapy Clinic, a partnership between Fred Hutch and the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance. Health Tech is produced and written by me, Claire McGrain, with editing and story help from Todd Bishop. If you want to give us feedback on the show, get in touch by emailing podcast at geekwire.com. Or we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I know podcast hosts ask people to do this all the time, but you would be surprised by how much of a difference it makes. Another big thanks goes to our sponsor, Seattle Children's Research Institute. You can find out more about their work at seattlechildrens.org slash research. To see all of GeekWire's coverage of science, tech, and geek culture, go to geekwire.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.